welcome to the Being a Dad on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Benavides, and today uh, I have a returning guest with uh, Ryan Roy, author of Be the Dad You Wish You Had and founder of FBI Dads. Ryan, thank you again for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have another chat with you and uh, impact your audience in whatever way. Uh, somebody's going to get impacted today, so I, I, I'm always excited. As long as we hit one, that's the goal. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm, I'm again, I'm glad to have you here. And, you know, last time we were here, we talked a lot about FBI dads about, you know, just the idea of um, how to really express love and, 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 you know, the, the, the things that dads can be doing with their kids, you know, um, I love that. And so, um, you know, today we're going to be talking a lot about just breaking down the barriers, generational barriers that maybe dads carry that hinder them from being the dads that maybe like, like your book says, we wish we had, right. We, um, We've all experienced things in life. We've all had different experiences with our dads, you know, some great, some not so great. And so, you know, how do we not carry that over as dads to our kids? And, and to, you know, obviously we have to be honest and we have to say like, look, there's going to be things that we have that we're going to carry, but how do we, how do we start building up, um, I guess, proper foundations for our kids, but then how do we break down the barriers that maybe be hindering us from sharing the love that we need to share? the kind words we need to be sharing, the um, the support that we need to be giving, that kind of thing. So so we're going to be picking your brain on that today, and we're going to be talking about that as a, as a group. Yeah, so, so many things come to mind, Bobby, and it's such a great question. And it, it may be, you know, for some of the audience, uh, what I'm about to say, a little bit of a punch in the face. So guys, put up your dukes because it's, it's, it's about to happen. Uh, I, I you use the word. Uh, that I think we use very loosely in our society, uh, and, and that's love. And I was reading a book uh, not too long ago, and uh, it, it talked about this topic, and it talked about forgiving our parents uh, for certain things that they've done to us, right, out of love. And, and then it also said that our parents, a lot of times, if we weren't loved the way we think we should have been loved, it's because they didn't know how to love themselves because they weren't loved a certain way. And we only project on other people what we've experienced. So I would actually challenge some people to look themselves in the mirror and say, do I even know what love is? Hmm. Some people define love as being beaten because the people who cared about us the most in life were our parents. And we came from an abusive you know, background. That that's how they define love. The people who cared about me and created me the most hit me and they hit me because they said they loved me and they were trying to discipline me. In my world, there's no reason to hit kids. I was never hit, right? Wasn't need to. That wasn't how I was brought up. I don't have to do it to my kids and they're perfectly well behaved. But love comes in all kinds of different forms. The question is, how would you like to receive love? And I guarantee you, no parent out there that was his, I'm never going to hit my kids. As a matter of fact, I actually hear a lot of dads. I see this posed in, in dad's groups as I'm in a number of dad's groups. I'm like, hey, did you ever hit your kids? And the overwhelming response, which does not shock me doing the dad research I've done, probably the dad research you've done is, well, I was hit and I turned out fine. So I don't see anything wrong with it. Yes or right. no. Right. Yep. So what do we do? We model the behavior that we have. But 
ultimately, do we enjoy being hit? No, but we're justifying it because we turned out just fine. So first I would check and see what love looks like for you. And is it healthy love? Then I would sit there and say, define how you want to be loved. And then I would say research and figure out how to give that love. And all of that requires a lot of self-reflection and work, which a lot of people in my in my experience in life, being a coach uh, by profession, being an author, being a speaker, uh, many people are unwilling to do because they're going to have to face some demons. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very key element, right? Is the self-reflection. I think that, you know, if we aren't able to dig into the the parts of us that that create the the tension, right? That create the frustration or create the inability to share the love that we want to share or that we because it's like the the thing is, is like we know there's something that we want to give, right? We know there's intrinsically like we we know we're supposed to be loving our kids, we know we're supposed to be sharing them. But if we don't know how to do it and it's because of something that we've experienced in our past that maybe we don't necessarily like, I love that, like defining love. If we don't know how to define it for ourselves, we don't know how it's been defined for us, then we're not going to be able to define it for our kids. And so, so that's a, that's a great piece of advice is like when we take the time to really search ourselves and ask how love has been defined, that's a very key piece. Yeah. And, and, and then to add on to that, once we define love for ourselves, then we have to immediately give love, in my opinion, to those who hurt us. Mm. Right. And a lot of times we grow up all of the damage. I don't, and again, in my experience, uh, but reading through things and psychology and all these things, most of the damage that happens to us in life happens in our childhood formative years. So who typically are the people who do that damage, whether it's intentional, unintentional, it doesn't matter. We all, no matter what amazing background we came from or, you know, what society would call amazing or not, we are all have something that happened in our childhood that affects us long term, our entire rest of our life. And usually that comes from our parents or whoever raised us. Right. Some places, grandparents, some, you know, step parents, whatever that may be. So the same love that you define, give it to them in a form of forgiveness. Forgive them for their shortcomings. Mm -hmm. Forgive them truly. Because if you hold any anger, frustration, any of that stuff towards the people who created you, trust me, that comes through in your energy to the people you're trying to impact. And if you're saying to them, I don't have to love the people who created me, and you harbor some ill will towards them, that's going to come across in your parenting. Yeah. And guess what? Your kids are being taught that they don't have to necessarily love you back either. If you can't give it, you're not going to be able to receive it. So once you define it in the form of forgiveness, I say, forgive your parents for every shortcoming they had. You want to know why? Because they came from brokenness. And they put that brokenness on you. But consciously, consciously, right, defining something, you're consciously defining something, consciously make that change and break that cycle so that you don't create that same brokenness for your kids. Now, there will be other challenges. Well, none of us are perfect. It's, we're not in a perfect world. But if we know there's something that has stopped us, um, show forgiveness towards it. And then I guess then... Um, 
when we're able to practice that forgiveness, because that's, a, that's again, we're teaching, that's another teaching point for our kids, right? Because then yeah. we're demonstrating what it looks like to truly forgive. And, you know, and, and, and I think that this is where people do get a little bit, um, I guess, discouraged when it comes to forgiveness, because there's that whole saying of forgive and forget, right? Mm. Um, which is probably one of the most unhealthy sayings, I think that's out there. <laughs> because, I mean, yeah, you can, you can try to, I think you could forget the small things like, okay, it's like, oh man, well, you spilled my coffee. Okay. I'll, you know, whatever, forgive, you know, forget, you know, it's like, that's okay. Yeah. But the, the bigger pieces of like deception, um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've had to work through recently for myself, and this is divulging some information about me, but like, you know, my father and I haven't spoken to each other since my first son was born. Mm-hmm. And so that's eight years now. And now, but there, and there's a lot of reason behind that. But one of the things that happened though, in that process was like, a, like about a year or so after that happened, um, I got reconnected with my first stepmom. Uh, my mm-hmm. first stepmom, uh, they did, got divorced when I was seven years old and we were connected until I was about 10. And then all of a sudden, just like the, the relationship just ended, like where she wasn't, they, she used to take my collect calls. It used to be really close. And all of a sudden just ended, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like I'm like I'm I'm blogging and I'm doing some stuff, and she starts following my blog, and I'm like, wait a second, is this my stepmom? And so we we reconnect. Long story short, my dad had told me when I was 10 that she had found, met with another guy and that they were gonna be getting married and that she just didn't want to be attached to me anymore since I wasn't her real son, all that stuff. Talked to her, she never got remarried, she never moved mm-hmm. away. The entire oh, wow. time she lived right, like, like seriously about an hour from my grandma. Like I would, I would go up to visit my grandma. I would drive through the town that she lived in. Oh, wow. And so like the whole time I could have been visiting her the whole time I could have been connected with her. And I thought that she had met somebody and she was gone. Well, wow. find out. I mean, like it, it was, it would, it blew my mind, right. That all this time I'd been deceived all this time. I'd been like, just, I've been just straight up lied to. I mean, I was lied to about a lot of things, but like that, that killed me like mm-hmm. it, it just because it's like you've got to be kidding me i could have had this great relationship with the first stepmom I, this woman who was like amazing to me and i lost that well i mean all that to come now to where my kids you know they ask me about my dad and i'm like talking to them a little bit about that but then like then they asked me about my about grandma karen and i'm like well you know she's my first stepmom and it took me some time to get connected with her but this is where it's at and but I've had to forgive my dad. Yeah. Because because he wasn't raised with a dad. He wasn't raised till in 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 a family where sometimes we my family we held grudges like with each other. So we had a hard time connecting with each other in that way. But mm-hmm. um, you know, we loved each other, but we would hold grudges. But if anybody said something about my family, whoever didn't matter if you're holding a grudge against that person or not, we're gonna jump and defend that person. <laughs> it, it's it's crazy. But yeah. that's just what we do. And so all, but okay, so coming to that, I got off on a tangent there. But no, all it's all to, good stuff. It's it's all good stuff. Go ahead. But all that to come back to the fact that, like, I had to say, listen, <laughs> my dad has just a lot of flaws, and he has things that he's carrying, his burdens that he's carrying, his baggage that he's carrying that he has not chosen to deal with. And unfortunately, because he hasn't chosen to deal with it, he takes it out on those he loves the most and those he or those he cares about. And, um, you know, that was just what he's done. And he's always done it. And I was I'm just another victim of that. But I'm also like, I have to acknowledge that realize that that's who he is. And I have to be saying, I can't become that. 
I forgive him for his shortcomings, but I've learned what I don't want to do for my kids. And so now I'm going to be overly loving. I am not going to deceive them about things that are, you know, that are, that are not things that we should be deceiving them over. Right. It's like, I mean, there's the imaginary stuff that we talk about. Right. And mm-hmm. um, if you have kids plug their ears, cause you know, obviously we have Santa we have the Easter bunny, right. We have all that stuff Tooth fairy. We have, they're probably downstairs. I got to whisper that a little bit, but, <laughs> but you know, it's like, so we have those things that we have to kind of, you know, it's like, it's fun. Yeah. But when it comes to the bigger things, I am never, I've made it my purpose to say, I'm never going to deceive them on, on anything major. I'll tell them the truth about everything. And even if it is, even if it is heavy, because it has to be. Um, so anyway. Yeah. So I actually, there's so many good things in there, which you just said. Um, but, but I actually want to help you and I want you, and I'm going to help the audience here and you're going to get to listen to this back. So as a coach, talk about terminology and words are very powerful. You Using words like I'm not going to, like notice the title of my book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had. It's like, don't be the dad you didn't want to be, right? Because <laughs> there's so many negatives in there. Yeah. So I would encourage you to actually reframe your mantra for your kids to say, I will always be truthful. Talk about what you're going to be mm-hmm. as opposed to what you're not going to be, because it's very, very empowering. And people who say it's the same thing. It's not. One is, is, yeah. is expressed with negative words. The other one is expressed with positive words. And we want to come with positive love, light to our children. But we also want to talk to ourselves that way. Uh, I'll, I'll give an example of that in my own life that, you know, with the first time I came across this concept when I was studying to be a coach, when I was a kid, I played a lot of football and and this worked for me at the time. But if I had a choice going back, it would work. I played football and I, I, I always said I'd never drop the ball. And I can honestly say in a lot of football games, I dropped two balls over a 10 year period playing competitive flag football and tackle. Hmm. And but if I were to rephrase that today, I would say I always catch the ball, right? Because it's more positive. It's more empowering than that. So our words are powerful. So so going back to your – your, um, I, I took a couple notes here as you were saying. Uh, there's just so much good. So let me ask you this question. I, I hate to turn the interview back on you, but the, the, the question is – you know, you've forgiven your dad. You said I, you don't like the term forgive and forget. I don't like it either. I think mm-hmm. we need to forgive and then have no expectations on their end of whether they receive our forgiveness or not. Because once we set an expectation around that, we can be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't truly forgive. But if we say, hey, look, I truly forgive you for all your shortcomings, I, the deception, the lies, the this, that, the other. And uh, I'd like to have a relationship with you, but if you can't have that, that's fine. Or I'd like to have a relationship with you in their certain terms, right? Mm-hmm. But if we can't have that relationship because they can't meet the terms, we're okay with that. But we don't need to forget what they did to us, right? right? Because that gives an opportunity for more deception, more deceit, more lies, yep. um, it, which isn't healthy for you nor your children going forward. But I would also expect and, and, and encourage if and I, I imagine you do this being the person I know that you are. Uh, we don't need to speak any ill will over dad to our children, right? We could explain it as they understand it, right? You know, uh, dad and I, I love them, uh, but we don't see eye to eye on certain things. And because of that, we've chosen, we have chosen to 
not engage right and mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean i love you any less doesn't mean he loves you any less it just means that we we've made a choice to agree to disagree yeah yeah and i think that's exactly that is the great way to phrase it is that um you know because having that conversation is hard especially when you have younger kids you know you don't i mean when they get older they can understand a little bit more of the concept and they can grab on to like what's happening like it's you can have a little bit more open and honest conversation around that like right now my, my eight-year-old he's so curious he always asks like so why do, why doesn't he talk to you anymore why don't you guys talk and i'm like well you know and then i kind of give like a little bit but i'm like look the rest of it when you're older if it's still going on we'll talk but if it's not then we're not going to worry about it like right now it is what it is you know but just know that it's just a situation that we're in you know and um it doesn't make me love you any less it doesn't make me love him any less because i still love him i still want to I still send them, or I, sometimes I try to send him a text message, say, hey, happy Father's Day, happy birthday, whatever. Um, unfortunately, at one point, he had me blocked from being able to send him messages. So I was like, well, I'm, hopefully you'll get them. But yeah, I mean, like, we, we can't forgive with expectations of, of, of them meeting the terms. When I, the idea of forgiving and forgetting, the reason why I say it's dangerous is because, like you said, it opens that door. We have to be wise and we have to be able to protect ourselves a little bit. And if we're going to say, well, we're going to just forget all this issues, like, mm, you don't, you, you got to remember because you got to remember the warning signs. You have to remember what was there, what, you know, and, and be able to have, be on guard to protect yourself and protect your family. Cause now your kids, if you let in that, that, that person, you know, the, whether it was a grandparent, a parent, a, a, a custodian of, a, of, of some kind that was caring for you. Um, and they've created that, that pain inside of you. Uh, you have to be wise because they can end up opening that door for your kids too. And so you need to be, you need to be protective. And that's a, and I think it's a key element of, you know, forgiving, but not forgetting. And, and we'll just give a practical example of that, right? This is far-fetched, but, uh, you know, what, what if you burned yourself on a stove, right? And you're like, oh, wow, the stove burned my hand. I forgive, right? This is not a real-life situation, right? But then I forget. Well, you're going to go and burn yourself again, right? Because you <laughs> exactly. forgot. We're not going we're, to – we're here to learn and evolve and grow. A very wise woman once told me, many times told me, she's my mother, <laughs> the mistakes are good, Ryan, as long as you learn from them. It's the, it's the challenge when we start to, you know, make the same mistake over and over. We're not saying, hey, how do I do this differently? We're not self-aware. We're not looking in the mirror, right? Uh, and we need to look in the mirror and say, hey, what happened there? How do I correct? How do I continue? How do I not make that mistake again? And I think so many times people get caught doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, which is actually the definition of insanity. Mm. Um, we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to, I don't mind making mistakes in life. I actually say the same thing to my kids, right? My mother imparted that into me. Mistakes are good as long as we learn from them. So when my kids make a mistake, I'm like, Oh, I, I messed up. Yeah. What are mistakes? Oh, they're good. Why are they good? As long as we learn from them, dad. And as they use that mantra and as they grow, I see my nine-year-old now saying, you know what? Why doesn't so-and-so you know, learn from his mistake, talking about a friend of his. And I was like, cause nobody imparted into him that mistakes were good. And he mm -hmm. just gets down on himself and he thinks there's something wrong with it. And he doesn't, as, as he's wallowing in what's wrong with it, he's not sitting there saying, how do I fix it? He's mm -hmm. using his energy in the wrong places. And I think these generational curses that we're talking about, our energy is put into the, you know, why did they do that? Why didn't they know better? Why didn't this? Instead of saying, how can I do better? I don't want to repeat this cycle.
Yeah, it's good. It's real good. I think when it comes to the idea of breaking down the generational barriers that are causing us to not either share the love or share the, the compassion or the, you know, giving that, that freedom for our kids that maybe we didn't experience. And so we kind of pass that on of tension and anxiety or whatever, you know what I mean? Because there's so many things that we can pass on. Um, it's the idea of, of embracing like, okay, look, this is, this is what I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try using your, your, your philosophy of just like trying not to use the negative of this is what I'm not going to do. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give freedom. I am going to release the negativity and I'm going to embrace the positive message of mistakes are good. You know, like, look, yeah, you spilled the milk, but what did you do when you spilled the milk? Well, you weren't holding it with both hands. Okay, so now what, what are you going to do? Hold it with both hands so we don't spill it next time. Great, good job. And then keep going on. We just spoke about last time we, we spoke together. You know, um, finding the ways to just encourage them to think through the process and mm -hmm. telling them why you're proud of them, telling them all, you know, telling them, speaking positive words into their lives. Because if you didn't receive that, it's unfortunate, you know, I, I, and, and it's, it's, I mean, like, because that's what a lot of dads, like a lot of times, like, we just didn't really see, receive the positive messages a lot of times. But now, I'm going to be a positive message to my kids. I'm going to pour in positivity. I'm going to speak truth and love and kindness and compassion. I'm going to give those things because that if I didn't receive it, I know what kind of pain it caused me or what, but maybe I felt like I was lacking. So now I have to step into that and I have to start doing it. Um, but that all starts with talking positively to ourselves. There's no way on God's green earth, that we can sit there and speak love into somebody else if we're not even speaking love to ourselves. And so the very first thing I do with my coaching clients that I, and, and it, the first thing I always pick up on is how they're speaking to themselves about themselves as I qu ask questions to them around what they need to work on or what they believe they want to work on. And if they're talking negatively about themselves the entire time, which very often happens, by the way, is I said, first thing we need to shift is your, your terminology towards self. So the only homework you have, and I, I'm going to encourage you dads that are listening right now and even moms, listen to how you're talking to yourself about yourself. Are you talking in, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. It's real easy to define what you're not going to do. I'm not going to do drugs. But what are you going to do in place of that? So if you're going to stop drinking, because right people have challenges with that, I wouldn't encourage you to say, I'm going to stop drinking. What are you going to replace with that time that you normally spend at the bar or drinking that six pack after work? Are you going to start working out? Are you going to, you know, spend more time with your family? What are you going to do? Because as soon as you don't define that, as soon as you don't know what you're going to replace that time with, guess what happens with that free time? You default back to the very thing that you're trying to change because you haven't defined what you're actually going to do. You only talked about what you weren't going to do. We yeah. need to have a replacement for that. So I could have very easily, and this happens to a lot of dads, I am not going to be like my father. But what they know is what their father was like. And when they haven't replaced it with what they're going to be, I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be caring. I'm going to, I'm going to hug my kids. I never got a hug from my dad. I'm going to hug my kids every day. I'm going to tell my kids I love them every day. I'm going to tell them I believe in them. I trust in them. If you don't have that defined, the subconscious mind doesn't hear the don'ts or the I'm not going to be. All they hear is, I'm going to be like my father, because that's all you know at the core of you. So we have to look in the mirror and we have to define 
what it is that we want to be. Even if you have to do research, if you don't know this, you're not supposed to know it, men. Moms too. If, you, if you've never done this, you're not supposed to know it. But as adults, we have this weird thing about us that we think, well, I'm an adult. I should know this stuff. Stop that. You shouldn't know anything you don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And if we don't know what it is, uh, God's honest truth. When I was about to become a father, uh, for those of you audience members that didn't listen to the first interview, I was abandoned by my own father at age five. I didn't know what it looked like to be a good dad, but what did I want to be? I wanted to be a good dad. So I use this resource. Some of you may have heard of it before. It's called Google. And I put in how to be a good dad. And I read hundreds of articles and all of them said about the same thing. And that's what I started doing. But I didn't say I'm not going to be like my father. I did to the extent of saying I'm not going to be absent. I'm going to be fully present. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think um, you know any form of goal setting, any form of thing like, that, like you have to have a def- you have to define the win, right? You always have to define the win, and if you can't define the win, then you aren't going to ever win because you don't know what the win is. So, um, so yeah, I think that's that's great. I think that's um, as dads, that's important for us. Like we have to remember, it, we have to think about how we're defining um, what we're going to do to achieve what we want to achieve, and. Yeah, the, the, the self-talk is very important too, right? We have to understand. We have to. It's like, and I'm saying we have to because, because like you said, in order for us to pour anything into somebody else, we have to have, we have to have it poured into us. And if we don't have either our ability to say nice things ourselves, um, a, a ability to like forgive ourselves of our own mistakes, if we can't for, um, forgive others, if we can't find peace inside, like, and we're not going to, be able to show and define peace or define forgiveness or define hope or define love for our kids if we just can't do it ourselves. So um, very, very good, good advice, man. Thank you for that. Oh, oh you're welcome. I mean, it's I, I wish and, and I'm sure some men are out there going, wow, I do that. Wow. I, I don't know what love truly looks like because I didn't have it. And although I want to give it. I fall short. I I know because I've read the statistics and I'm a man myself and I've had these self-doubts is I don't know how to be a good dad. I don't know what I'm doing. Am I making enough money? Am I really providing for my family the way I should? And we we sit there and live in this self-doubt. And we're men, right? We're not allowed to show the outside world that we have those thoughts because we're supposed to be the strong ones. But who's strong for us? Right. Right. So give yourself some grace, man, and, and know that this parenting thing, they didn't come with a manual. And if they did, it would be wrong because they're all their own unique individuals. We just need to come from a place of, um, I know I can do better. And the only way I know I can do better is if I research, I educate myself. I, I commend you if you're listening to this right now. Why? Because you're listening to a podcast to empower yourself to learn something that you didn't already know. Right. You know? You're in the right place. You're on the right track. And it's just taking those small steps. I always say I just had this analogy with uh, uh, my sister-in-law yesterday. I was like, you know, you just want to eat an elephant one bite. You can't do it. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And it takes time because it's a big bite to take. This parenting thing is a journey. Um, You may know this. I, I, I had a podcast and I stopped at 300 episodes, but it was, I don't know, Jack, about parenting. 
And the whole premise around this was every single day that I think I've listened to a podcast episode or read a book or wrote a book <laughs> or created a dad's program, like I should know this stuff. But the difference is, is they continue to grow and evolve at their pace in their world. And every time I think I've got it figured out, I realize I don't know Jack about parenting <laughs> because they keep changing. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to change and evolve with them. This is not a static thing. This is an evolution. This is a growth process. And you've got to continue to grow in this process. So again, to your audience, I acknowledge you for being on this podcast and listening to this because, you know, you're you're working towards that growth for yourself. Yeah, that's good. I think just like anything, it, it, it's always interesting to me when I hear about dads who are willing to pour more energy into learning how to get their golf swing right. As opposed to figuring out how to how to love their kids better, you know, it's like we gotta we got we gotta pour some energy into into what matters. And I mean, the golf swing may or may not last forever, but your uh, your relationship with your kids is, it it will, and what you leave behind will. And so, you know, that's that's a part of you know pouring our time and our energy into what what really matters. I think is important. So, well, that's part of the generational curse uh, and, and and society's curse to us men is if a dad works really hard and he could afford, you know, 200 bucks. So society allows us men to say that if you can afford that $200 golf outing, right. With your buddies and those golf lessons and those things, as long as we did what we were supposed to do, we're supposed to have our downtime on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see anything wrong with going and improving your golf swing. I'm not saying that to the men that enjoy golf. Right. Uh, but when it supersedes the relationship with your kids or it's an outlet to get away from the kids, um, I think that's where there's a challenge and that's where you need to look in the mirror. Well, uh, I, again, Brian, I, I, I really appreciate um, the wisdom that you share and just uh, what you've been able to pour into other dads and what you're pouring into here by um, being a part of the conversation. And again, you know, it is we it's going to take us working right? It takes work. We have to, we have to pour some energy into this. And um, if we really want to see a generational change and see our kids grow up to be good parents, whether it's dads or moms, whatever, that we have to understand ourselves and we have to, we have to, we have to check ourselves. We have to do some self-care, self-reflection. We have to work on how we speak to ourselves, but we also have to learn how to forgive and forgive well and, um, and to practice that. That's how our kids understand that. So uh, it was, Great, great talking to you again, and I really appreciate everything that you shared in this. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. And and if I could, you know, for any dad who's out there saying, "How do I do that stuff?" Um, you know, I've helped hundreds of people at this point uh, through my coaching. And if you're interested in a complimentary coaching session, right? This is a 100. You get an hour of my time for me to help you. Uh, you know, see how you could be more reflective, look in the mirror a little bit more and, and, and hopefully help you in that hour. I will, you know, tell you how my program works at the end of that hour. Um, but, uh, I'd love to give that to anybody. Uh, and you could go to ryanroy.me and sign up for a complimentary coaching session. Awesome. I will go ahead and put that in the show notes and I'm sure that'd be great. And hopefully some of the dads will, will cash in on that. Cause that's a, that's a great resource to have.
Well, again, hey, um, Ryan, thank you for joining us. Ryan Roy, again, the author of Be the Dad You Wish You Had, founder of FBI Dads, and you can go to ryanroy.me and connect with him there. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you like what you're hearing, please take some time to like it, rate it, share it, comment, because uh, again, this is just a podcast for dads to be encouraged, because we're not here to make you be the best dads in the world. We just want you to be the best dads that you can be right now for your kids. So with that, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.